Amen. We're starting a brand new series called Not of This World. Everybody say, Not of This World. Turn to your neighbor and say, If you believe in Christ, you're not of this world. I've been thinking about this sermon for several weeks now and I, I, I had some crazy stories come up, and I wanted to share one with you. You know, for about 20 years, I was, well, about 15 years, I was a student pastor, and pastors paid me to take their students and do crazy stuff. Not that they knew I was going to do crazy stuff, but that's what happened. I, I, I was invited to take a group of students from Shreveport, Louisiana, all the way to Rio Doso, New Mexico, about 20 years ago to go on a ski trip. Anybody like skiing? No skiers over here? Any skiers? Uh, some skiers right here. I'm a snowboarder. Any snowboarders in the house? I see some big fists pumping over here. I, I got my buddy John called me. He said, hey, we're doing this ski camp in Rio Doso, New Mexico. Man, we're going to have a blast. We're going to ski all day, snowboard, and then at night, man, we've got a worship team, and we're going to have like a camp, like a snow camp, and, and God's going to move. I was like, that sounds like God to me, snowboarding, mountains. I'm in. Let's go. And so I convinced the parents to send their kids with me and a few youth leaders, and we got in 15 passenger vans. Heads up, never let your kid get in a 15 passenger van with any guy that's 23 or younger. <laughs> Crazy stuff gonna happen. And I, and I started driving, we drove through the night, and, and, and we drove to Rio Doso, New Mexico, but sometime in the middle of the night, we passed through a little town called Roswell, New Mexico. Y'all know about Roswell? And, and I drove through at night, and, and, and the first thing that caught my eye was the sign on the Burger King sign. It said, alien burgers served here. And I chuckled because the kids were sleeping, and I thought, man, this is crazy. And the streetlights in that town, the big, the big streetlights, they weren't just normal globes like on a light bulb. They were alien heads. And so everywhere you drove, there was all these alien heads. And, and, and Roswell, if you don't know, was supposedly the crash site of a UFO in the 1950s. And as we're driving through this town, I'm thinking, man, this is wild. Like, I wish we had time to stop and check it out. And then I realized, well, we got to drive home. So I'll stop on the way home. And so uh, we were driving back after skiing for three days. And I got the leaders up early. We got all the kids in the van. And we, we're going to drive through Roswell. And here we are, man. Everything's alien this, alien that. You know, UFOs welcome. It's just a weird place. And, and so I saw this sign that said, UFO Museum. I thought, we got to stop here. Like, the kids are going to love this. Let's go in and check it out. You know, it'll be fun, Right? And I'm thinking, this will be really cool. The kids will dig it. And so I told the kids to stay in the van, and I walked in, and I, I met this gentleman. I said, hey, I got a bunch of students from, from, from Louisiana. We've never been here, and what is this? And he said, oh, we're the number one UFO museum in the world. And I was like, interesting. He said, we have pictures from the crash. We've got wreckage pieces. We've got pictures of the aliens. We've got audio stuff you can listen to, the radio reports from that night. We've got pictures you can... He's like, I said, I'm sold. Let's do this. How do we do it? And he said, well, it's five bucks a person. It's a self-tour. You just walk around the building and stuff says, you know, it'll just show you around. I thought, no, no, no. We need a tour guide. He's like, we don't do tours. We just, you just go through on your own. I said, well, well, will you work here? Would you be our tour guide? We don't know anything. And he said, yes, I would love to. 
And all of a sudden, I felt this weirdness because he shifted from the guy that just takes the money to now he's an expert on UFOs. And so I got the kids in and I gathered them all together and I said, hey guys, we're going to do this little tour of the UFO museum and we're going to learn some history today about aliens crashing and they were all excited. And, and I, said, I said, and this guy's going to be the tour guy. I said, remind me of your name. And he said, my name is Shu. That should have been my first clue to stop the tour right there. For the next 20 minutes, Shu took us through the tour of the alien stuff. And, you know, this is the, the story of the farmer who came out the next morning. And there was this streak of dirt a couple hundred yards long where the flying disc had crashed. And here's some videos you can watch of the, the you know, the Air Force coming in and shutting everything down. And we've got fictitious pictures of what the aliens could have looked like. And as the story got further and further, it just got weirder and weirder. And I'm realizing this was not a good idea. The parents, when they get home and hear that their kids went to the UFO museum and were indoctrinated with craziness, I may not have a job. And as we wrapped up the tour, I said, has anybody got any questions? And one of the kids said, hey, do you think that it really happened? And his face changed. And he said, of course it happened. Didn't you see all the stuff I presented today? And the kids were kind of freaked out with his tone. They kind of started stepping back. And one of the other kids says, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen an alien yourself? And he said, well, to be honest, I've been abducted twice that I know of. I said, all right, tour's over. Kids back in the bus. Let's go. Get us. Get out of here. And we got back in the vans, and, and you know what? For the next four hours, it sparked some crazy conversations. The kids were asking me, you know, what does the Bible say about aliens? I'm thinking, Robert, you dummy. You set yourself up for this. And then all of a sudden, out of my spirit, I began to talk to the students in my van. And I said, I do believe in life, not from this planet. I believe that Jesus, according to God's word, was sent to this earth for a purpose and a mission. For John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent, everybody say sent, he sent his only son so that he that believes in him shall be, oh, y'all heard that scripture before. I want to read you a little bit of a foundational scripture, and for the next few weeks, I want to talk about what does it mean to live not of this world? First John chapter 17, if you're taking notes and maybe you've got an iPad or your phone, you can follow. If not, you can join us on the screen. I want to use John 17 as kind of a base text for the, for the next few weeks, and we'll return to this each time we gather as we talk about being not of this world. But I want to read this out of the Message Bible today. And this is Jesus talking to the Father. He said, now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so they can hear them, so my people can experience my joy completed in them. He says, I gave them your word, and the godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's way. And just as I didn't join the world's way, I'm not asking you that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy. This is his prayer. Make them holy. Make them consecrated with the truth for your word. Everybody say his word is consecrating truth. 
In the same way, listen to this, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. Everybody say mission. Today I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about how Jesus was sent to the earth with a purpose and a mission. You got to know that Jesus wasn't here on vacation. Y'all got to help me today? First service was really lively. Have you guys had your coffee? Today, I want to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, being sent on a mission for all of mankind. I want to talk about why he was sent, and the truth is, is he was sent to restore things that had been stolen from us. And then next week, I want to talk about how you and I, we have the opportunity to join God's family and to be part of the mission of Jesus. And the truth is, the same impact that Jesus made is what he's asking you and I to make every day that we walk this earth. I'll give you a little preview. He came and then he left, but he empowered us to continue walking for him. Jesus ain't walking around this earth today other than walking around on your job and your school and your neighborhood in and through us. He is in us, which means we have that same mission. We're as ambassadors. And then in week three, I'll wrap this up. And I want to talk about the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom. And I want to talk about the kingdom of God and the principles that allow us, so those who believe, who have accepted the mission, who have recognized that we are ambassadors, I want to talk about how the kingdom of heaven gives us principles through his word that allows us to access heaven from earth. There's so many people that are walking the earth in Christ, but they don't realize they have the ability to leave this world and connect with heaven and bring heaven right down to their home in their marriage. Bring heaven right down home in their finances. Bring heaven right down home for their children and the raising of their children. Bring heaven right down home for their calling. What is that? That's living out of the kingdom of God right here. And I'll get to this at the end, but here's the spoiler alert. The kingdom of God is already here. It's inside of us. I was thinking about when I watch sci-fi movies. Anybody like sci-fi movies? A couple of, yep. All the religious folk over here, y'all don't watch sci-fi movies? We're not a judgmental church. We like aliens and we like weird stuff. It's okay. I, I like watching these movies like Independence Day. I think I just like Will Smith, and that's why that movie made that great. But, you know, whenever you watch an alien movie or a sci-fi show, there's always the question wrapped around, well, what are they doing here? Well, what's the purpose? What, what do they want? And I think if we understand that God sent Jesus on purpose, we can find out why he was here. What was so wrong with mankind that God had to send? Everybody say send. His son. And let's look at this. There's a difference between going somewhere and being sent somewhere. Got to catch this. I'm going to harp on this over the next couple of weeks. But there's a difference between going somewhere and being sent somewhere. Like, I like to go out to eat. Like, I like Five Guys Burgers. You can't come to church. I'll just be honest. If you're new here, I'm going to talk about food every week because I like to eat. And, and I like to talk about food because we're on a fast right now. But when we come a day, well, I'll get to go back to Five Guys. You know, listen, I could go to Five Guys on my own, and I can eat one of those double burgers. They got the best french fries on the planet. And you know what I like about Five Guys? They don't skimp on the french fries. If you haven't been there, they put it in a paper bag, and the guy scoops it up, and he fills the little trail, but it's just a bag full of fries. 
And I learned this from my dad. You don't try to take them out. Just there's some etiquette for five minutes. You don't need to try and take them out. You just rip the bag in half. And you just eat out of the bag, okay? Thank you, Michael. So you can go to five guys and fill your belly, but there's a difference when your wife sends you to the store. Like five guys, I'm going. Target, she's sending. Do you understand the difference? Like five guys, I'm going on my own mission because I want to do something. When they're sent, there's something that she wants from Target. And I got to tell you guys, you need to make a list because when you show up at the house and you didn't bring all the stuff, man, the noise level gets a little loud. Like, I sent you to Target for diapers. I didn't send you for Ben and Jerry's. What is this? I said, I was on the phone. I forgot what was going on. Turn around and go back to Target. Listen, when you're... I like y'all. Y'all like to have fun. Being sent, listen, means there's a cause. When you're sent somewhere, there's a cause. You and I and all of humanity were the cause for Christ to be sent to this earth. To be sent means that there was an order or an instruction to go to a particular destination or in a particular direction. Make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ was not coming to earth because he wanted to be here. God was sending his son on an assignment for the cause of humanity so that he could set things right once again, which was what God wanted. So let's look at today. I'm going to give you three reasons why I believe Christ was sent. And listen, just you don't need to come up to me in the line afterwards and say, ah, oh, there's 300 reasons. Listen, I'm case perfect. There's, there's a million reasons right here in my life why Christ came. We're all jacked up. We could go down the list and we could go one by one. It would take us eternity to talk about why Christ came for us. But today, I want to talk specifically about three. Everybody say just three. And let's start in John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, he said, not to do my own will, but the will of him who, say it out loud, he sent me. And this is the will of what he sent me to do, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this, everybody say this, this is the will of my father. What's the will? He's going to tell us that everyone who looks on the son of man and believes in him should have eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. He's saying, I was sent here as God's son in totality of man, in totality of God, and I'm going to live my life. And then I'm going to give it up so those that look at me, those that follow me, they can be saved. John 3, 17. For God did not send, there it is again, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world through him. Number one, he sent Jesus to do his will, the Father's will. And number two, the will was to save the, wor- save the world through him. John 12, 46, Jesus says it again, for I have come into the world as light. So he that believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
I don't know about you, but it seems like the world is getting darker and darker every day. Jesus came so that you and I and anybody else in humanity that would believe on him, we ain't got to live in dark world. We can live with an illuminated life from the inside of us, giving us direction, purpose, and passion for what he's called to do. So here's the three things Jesus was sent to do. Number one, everybody say number one, the will of the Father. He was sent to do the will of the Father, which was number two, save the world, and number three, to, to bring light of the kingdom to this planet. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's unpack it. Number one, the will of the Father was, was simply to restore what Adam messed up. God and man were in perfect union until Adam sinned and that choice put a wedge between them. God's plan... For Jesus was to reestablish, to return to his original plan for man, which was what? To have communion, to have relationship with, to have a partnership with. He gave man dominion over the earth, and he sent Jesus to make sure that you and I had that restored back to us. God's original intention was for man to rule and dominate the earth, but Adam's sin forfeited it here on earth. And now Satan has set up his kingdom here. If you went to Sunday school, you know the story about Adam and Eve. The Bible says that a serpent came to Eve and he began to speak to her with, 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 with decisive words, divisive words. And he tricked her into eating an apple of which they were told not to eat. And the Bible says that she ate it and she gave it to her husband. So it's all the woman's fault. Just kidding. I'm totally kidding, ladies. Man chose to sin. Man was actually in dominion. He chose to follow suit. And because he chose that, the Bible says that they were removed from the grace of God. They were removed from the garden, from perfection. They were stripped of dominion. They were stripped of authority. And because of that, the authority was handed over to the ruler of darkness, as he's called. Who is that? That's Satan. And from that moment forward, the life between man and God changed. The purpose for which God had intended man to live was changed. Now where he used to walk in favor, now he's going to have to work for it. Now where things are easy, things are going to be difficult because now man lives under a curse, the satanic curse that came at that level of sin. Listen to this. Jesus had to come to be the second Adam. Everybody say second Adam. Jesus had to come to make things right for what Adam screwed up. Oh, I'm so pumped about this. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 through 49 of the Amplified Bible. It says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. He was an individual personality. The last Adam, which is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Everybody say spirit. Restoring the dead to life. But it is not the spiritual life that came first. It's the physical and then the spiritual. God created a natural man, but then he had to follow it up with a spiritual man to get it back to where it needed to be. Verse 47, the first man was out of the earth, made of the dust, which gave him an earthly mind. The second man is the Lord. He came not of this world. He came out of heaven. Now those who are made of the dust like us, are like him who was made of the dust and have an earthly mind. And as is the man from heaven, Jesus, so also, say so also, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. 
And just as we have been born the image of man of dust, so shall we let us also bear the image of man of heaven. He's saying, Adam jacked it up, man. I had a plan. He messed it up. It's a 4,000 years past, and I'm sick of it. I'm fed up with it. I want man to dominate again. I want my relationship back, so I'll take my son of the spirit. I will send him through the womb of a woman, and I will give mankind an opportunity to be born again. I will give them an opportunity to get a do-over. You know what a do-over is? When we were kids, we used to play kickball. Anybody play kickball? And kickball is a funny game because, you know, you could spin the ball or whatever. And when you're little, you know, you might kick the ball and it spins off and just goes left. And you yell at the pitcher and you say, hey, just roll it normal, dude. I want a do-over. You know what I'm talking about? And so you get angry, like, I need a do-over, I need a do-over. This is what God was saying. I'm going to give mankind a do-over. How do I get the do-over? How do I get the dominion? How do I get my place in Christ? We receive Christ by the Spirit, and we are born again. Nicodemus didn't understand this, and he approached Jesus. How am I going to get back in my mama's belly? And he said, no, 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 you're not going to be naturally born again. As he's talking about here, you're not going to go back to the earth, back to the dust with a natural mind. You're going to be recreated in Christ, a brand new birth by the Spirit of God, which comes through Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Me and you have an opportunity to walk and live just like Adam did 6,000 years ago, right now in this moment, through Jesus Christ. Man, if I was in a Pentecostal church, people would be dancing right now. You and I have an opportunity. To walk in the same authority, the same dominion, and the same freedom that Adam walked in when he was created, when God spoke into his bones and said, take it over, man. Be fruitful, multiply. This is what it says in one translation. Go dominate this place. You and I, we've been told a different lie. We've been told the same lie by the spirit of darkness that you're no good. You're a loser. And you've got to remind yourself, not in Christ I'm not. He gave me the authority to dominate and rule in every area of my life. How can you say that? I didn't say it. He said it. The second Adam came from the spirit to recharge, to rejuvenate, and to recreate our mortal bodies. So why did he come? He came to set things right, to rewrite our story. But how was he going to do it? Number two, everybody said number two. He sent him to do the will of the Father. That was the Father to restore. How would he do it? He would buy us back. The second reason Jesus came from heaven to earth was not only to reconnect God and man, but he came to redeem us. Everybody say, I am. I'm redeemed to buy back. He was sent to earth to purchase us. That word redeem means compensate for the faults. Anybody got any faults? Look around. Only a couple of you raised your hands. The rest of them are perfect. I got both hands left. If I could levitate, I would. Listen to me. He said, I've compensated for their faults or even their bad aspects so that they could gain or regain. This is what this means, to regain possession of something in exchange for that payment. Jesus came and died on the cross, shed his blood, and that was the payment so you and I could live a free life right now. So that me and you could walk back in that authority so we could have peace in our minds. So we could have our bodies work the way they were intended to. 
He came to do the will of the Father, Kevin, but it's beyond that. He came so that he could buy us back. Something so important to him that he would pay whatever price he had to. I was talking with somebody this week and they said, I think it was Miss Laura, we were talking about some stuff and she said, do you think Jesus loves Do you think God loves Jesus more than he loves us? And I was like, I think you're trying to trick me here. (laughs) Which she was. And what I took away from that question and after I talked about it with Laura, we were talking about Jesus, God loves us more than Jesus. Because he was willing to give the thing that he loved to buy you back. The thing that was the most precious to him, the most valuable, he was willing to sacrifice that so you and I could be purchased back and redeemed. Why? So that you and I could be Christ-like on this earth. He was given up one, but he gained millions. He gave up one to multiply the effort. What's better than one man walking through the streets performing miracles and bringing heaven to earth? How about millions of Christ followers for generations and generations all the way up until the second coming when the second Adam will split the skies and bring us all home? God loved us so much. He gave us his only son. Buy you back. Titus 2.14 out of the NLT says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. He came to free us. Too many Christians are walking in bondage because they don't have a revelation of this scripture that Christ was sent to free you. We talk a lot about heaven, but we don't talk about our time here on earth. Oh, when we get to the sweet by and by, as some of the elders would say. Oh, on the other side, when we stand through the pearly gates, man, things will be perfect up there. Jesus Christ died so things could be perfected right now here. You don't have to wait till you get up there. You know, when people pass away, we say, oh, well, at least they're not in pain anymore. Man, God's plan is that you wouldn't be in pain while you're here on this earth. came to free us. How much freedom are we walking in today? Go over to Isaiah 44, 22. I love this. He says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist return to me, for I have redeemed you. I've swept your offenses away. Swept them away. It's clean. It's gone. Your sins like the morning mist return to me. I have redeemed you. The third reason that I want to talk about Jesus being sent to the earth. Number one, he came for because it was the will of his father. Number two, he came to redeem you. But number three, Jesus was sent to the earth to set up the kingdom of light. <laughs> he came from heaven to, to reestablish the kingdom of light, which was supposed to happen from the beginning. When Adam sinned, Satan took over. They call him in the Bible the ruler of darkness. At that moment, he was given authority on the earth. Since the beginning, right there from the beginning, Adam turned it over, and we have been living, listen, and under the pressure of darkness. Why do good things happen to why do bad things happen to good people? Because Satan is the God of this world. 
You need to know that. He's, he's running around. The Bible says he's roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, why don't we cage him up? Well, we're not caging him up right now. He has authority down here. Adam handed it to him. This is his season. But here's the thing. Just because he's running around doesn't mean you got to walk in darkness. Amen. Satan has come to dim your situation. The spirit of darkness, if you've lived anywhere, I'm a 46 years old, and just even in the four generations that I've lived, the four decades, I've watched society get darker and darker and darker and darker, and darker and darker and darker and darker. And for some of you that are older than me, you'd say, well, man, it started before you. It was darker and darker for us. We've been watching it get darker and darker because we're older than you. And here's the thing. I want to tell you something. It's only going to get darker and darker and darker and darker. Read the end of the book. Some of us crazy maniacs, we think, we think that you know revival means that it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter only for us, but not for the world. The Bible says that it's going to get darker and darker. And so Jesus was coming and said, I know it's going to get darker, but I've come to provide the kingdom of light. And that kingdom of light resides on the inside of you. So in the middle of darkness, you'll know where to go. In the middle of darkness and depression and doom and gloom, you'll have light to your feet, a lamp to your feet, a light to your path. You will not stumble in the end days. For a short time, Stephanie and I lived at the beach in Southern California, a little town called Oceanside. And a lot of times before work, I'd go surfing in the morning because the waves were really good in the morning. And so I'd get up early when it was dark and I'd get my stuff and I'd put it in my truck or I'd put my stuff in the truck the night before and I'd drive down to this little beach that I like. It was called Buccaneer Beach. And I'd get out of my car and put my wetsuit on and get everything ready. And the, the, it's still dark. And I would get in the water. It was still dark. And there'd be this hazy gloom. In that area, we called it June gloom. Because for most of the month of June, in the nighttime, the, 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 the mist and the fog would, would brew out on the ocean. And it would roll right into the beach. And when you'd get up in the morning in the little coastal town, that we'd, it's just foggy everywhere. And I'd get in the water, and, and I, I'd paddle around, but it was just listening for the waves because you really couldn't see more than eight or nine feet in front of you. It was kind of eerie, but it was kind of cool because in the morning, there would be nobody out there but me on my big 10-foot longboard, and, and the waves would come in, but it'd be hard to see them. You'd have to listen to them before you could catch them. But if you stayed in the water long enough over that morning, about 8 or 9, 10, 11 o'clock, the wind would come in, and it would blow that coastal fog off, and man, all of a sudden, the sun would shine, and you'd see for hundreds of miles on the ocean. Why? Because the light had showed up. Jesus was sent to earth so that the light could show up. And although it may look doom and gloom around us, me and you have eyes wide open because, Lou, we have the light of God on the inside of us. He illuminates us. The word of God lives in us. And so guess what? We don't have to walk in the darkness like everybody else. I don't have to bump my toe through the night. I don't have to wonder which way we're going. I see the clear path. Guess what? Because Jesus came. He was sent Bring the kingdom of light. Matthew 4, 16 says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow, this light has dawned. He's talking about himself. 
From the time that Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near me. Repent so you can have the light. Repent, come out of the darkness. Light is here. Luke 17, crazy Pharisees always trying to trip him up and catch him off. They said, when's the kingdom of God? When the kingdom of God comes, when will the kingdom of God come? And he says, when the kingdom of God will come, he replied to them, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, hey, look, here it is. Or see, it is here or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. Jesus, when's the kingdom of God? When's God's going to set up his kingdom? He said, it won't be a place. You're never going to find it. You're never going to locate it. He said, it is in you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. I believe he was pointing them out. The Pharisees are pressing him, but he was always with the disciples. I believe he was saying, it was, it's in you, Matthew. It's in you, Peter, James, John. I believe he's going around. It's in you and for everybody else, all you crazy Pharisees. Guess what? It's here in your midst right now because I brought it with me when I came from heaven. I was sent as an ambassador of light. When you and I understand that Christ brought light, there's no reason to tolerate darkness anymore. We release the light in our life. And we dispel the darkness. How do we, how do we just release the light? We open up our mouth and we begin to speak the word. For the word is a lamp. And the word is a light. Well, how do you turn that light on? You open up your mouth and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And you become a torch bearer. Next week I'll talk about this a little bit more. But you and I are on assignment. If you've received Christ, if he lives in you, you now are not just coming and going. God has now entrusted you with the mission, with the mandate, with a call, with the responsibility. What's the responsibility to set up the kingdom of light? How do we do that? We go into dark situations and we expose the darkness with the word, with the gospel. Not only through our words, but through our actions. Oh, Lord, bring that back. What do you want me to say? The Lord is calling us as a church to be light bearers. It's placed within us. His Son, His Word. And once we receive that, now there's an obligation and a responsibility you and I become Christ-like. And that we know who Christ was and look at his life everywhere he went. People were becoming free. They were becoming saved. They were becoming healed. They were getting their joy back. They were getting their peace back. Why? Because in their dark situation, light had shown up. Jesus was sent to set up the kingdom within the hearts of the believers on earth so that light could dispel the darkness. Hope you got something today. Would you bow your heads? I want to ask you just a couple questions.
If Jesus was sent to help us, have you received that help? If Jesus was sent to redeem us, have you accepted that forgiveness of the debt of sin? If Jesus truly came to bring light, why are you still living in the dark? The heart of the Father was to send Jesus on a rescue mission to bring back to life humanity that was lost by the first Adam. Today I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To accept light, to accept forgiveness, and an opportunity to reconnect with God, your Father, your Creator. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, my, my life is very dark. It feels like doom and gloom. I'm not sure which direction I'm going. It may be because your life has not been completely surrendered to Him. But I can assure you this, when you totally surrender your life, your plan, your values, your mission, your ego, your drive, your agenda to Him, man, it's very clear what He's called you to do. He lays out a beautiful picture and it'll be crystal clear. There will be no more guessing. If you're here today and you need prayer, you need Jesus, I'm just going to ask you right where you sit. I will not embarrass you, but would you just raise your hand and wave it at me? By waving at me, you're just saying, hey, pastor, I need Jesus. Yes, sir, I see you. Pray for me. Yes, ma'am, I see you. You say, pastor, pray for me. I see you. Yes, ma'am, wave it in the back. I got you right over here. Yes, yes, yes. Man, lots of hands going up today. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Man, I want to invite you. Let the light in today. Let the peace of God come in. Let salvation save you. Let the Spirit of God recreate in you something brand new, an old life that passes away, and a brand new start with Jesus. Anybody else want to be prayed for? You say, Pastor, pray for me. Include me. I, again, I'm not going to call you. I'm just going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. I see you in the back. Yes, ma'am. If you're watching online, we got a prayer team. Yes, ma'am. Right there online, just tell them in the chat box, somebody pray with me. I want, I want that Jesus and our, our team there online, our host, they'll, they'll pray with you. Anybody else? Say, include me, man. Maybe you've been walking away from the Lord. At one time you received it, but you've been walking away and said, today I need to come back. I need to open up my heart to light again. Anybody say, man, Jesus, today I want to come back. I want to make things right. Put your hand up. Put it right back down. Amen. Look at me all across this room. Many of us have prayed this prayer before, but the, the dozen or so that raised their hand, let's pray this with them. If you've never prayed this prayer, say it out of your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus, your Son, was sent to this earth to die for me, to pay a price for my sin that I couldn't pay. Today, I declare... I am redeemed, and Jesus is the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer?